Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, as you take your seats, I just want to celebrate that last week we had our five and five speakers. We had five people from our community preach some incredible messages. Can we give it up for our five and five speakers last week? It was powerful. I love it. I love that this is a gathering not about the Jeevas, but about the Jesus. And we have multiple voices glorifying the Lord together in the spirit of unity. And uh, I was talking two nights ago with Jory right here, who's mid-sip, and she was sharing, I, I have a new respect for what it's like to communicate on stage, and I understand why you asked for people to give you some engagement and feedback, because it made me a better communicator and helped me feel more confident when people would say amen or mm-hmm or preach or give a clap or a laugh. And she said, you know what, I'm going to be more engaging when I hear people preach now. Isn't that right, Jory? She's about to whistle. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so if you could help me become a better preacher by giving me some feedback, it's not because I'm saying something so amazing, but it's because you're sowing a seed so that my next something is amazing. Amen. So just help, help the preacher out, will you? All right. So um, I, I want to share today that as we continue our series, I'm going to be preaching about this diaper. As you know, I have a two-year-old daughter named Nala, and she, she makes messes in diapers. She poops her butt still. And it, it's pretty crazy. In fact, I think she ate some alphabet letters at her house. And the next diaper change could spell disaster, if you know what I mean. And I think some of you do. <laughs> so we are continuing to preach through the book of Ephesians. We're starting chapter 4 today. And as we've been talking about, this is a letter written to the church of Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. And the first half is all about our vertical relationship with God. Second half really talks about our horizontal relationships with one another. So if the first half is all about this vertical, it's more about indicatives, what is true about God. And then the second half is more about imperatives, what are we to do with this truth. And so if you want to rhyme this morning... The first half is about what is true. The second half is about what do we do. And I love what is happening in this scripture. And so starting in chapter 4, Paul the Apostle gives us a huge plea. He urges us in chapter 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Look at someone say, you've been called by God. Always be humble. Actually, I'm really good at that one. And gentle. <laughs> be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So we have this calling, and he says, not only do you have a calling, I'm begging you. I'm urging you. Will you live your life in a manner that is worthy of your calling? Have you ever seen someone live below their potential? Have you ever noticed someone who is not living up to the high calling they had? It's a, it's a big bummer. I've seen it. 
I remember a few years ago, I was pastoring a young adults ministry, and there was a man by the name of Zack Snyder who was just drumming right here. Is Zach here? I saw him earlier. But Zach, he was drumming, and uh, I remember I had to call him out because he was not living in accordance to his calling. I found out that him and a group of guys were bullying someone at our young adults church. They were literally making signs and trying to make him feel less welcome. And this was during the time I had been preaching a message series about helping people to feel like they belong. And here I find out he's helping people to not belong. So I get him and his crew together into my office. I say, we need to have a conversation. I say, we are trying to create unity. We're trying to make allowances for one another in the spirit of God according to these scriptures. And you're fighting that. Do you think you're doing the work of God or the work of the devil? And they're like, the work of the devil. I go, that's right, Zach. You are an agent of Satan. <laughs> and him and his friends realize, oh my goodness, bullying people in church isn't good. Excluding people and making them feel less than isn't good. And with a humble heart, with a repentant heart, with a soft heart, they said, my eyes are open. I am so sorry. I apologize. I repent. We are going to change our ways. And I, I saw it. Zach, for the years later, he changed his ways. In fact, Zach and Becca moved all the way from Michigan to help us start Kalos Church. And they have really been, pun intended, especially being part of the music team, they've been instrumental in helping us create a culture of belonging. Can we give it up for the Snyders? But he had this high calling. He was not living up to it. So we called him in, called him out on it. And then he began to level up and live in a manner that was worthy of his calling because he had a soft, pliable, and teachable heart. And this is what Paul the Apostle tells us to do in this scripture. And he tells us to live. He urges us to live this way. And I, I sense, though, many of us aren't living in a manner that's worthy of our calling. Do you feel that about yourself? You've sensed like God has his hand on your life. You have a calling. You feel like you have a responsibility, a desire to do great things for the Lord or for the world, to make this world better than you found it. You carry this sense of a gifting or a talent or something that burdens you. You want to bring justice into the world. You want to bring and unleash creativity. You have this high calling. You feel like the Lord did not make you on as an accident, but on purpose. But we live well below it sometimes. Maybe you feel like you're not living up to your high calling, walking in a worthy manner when it comes to your relationship with God. Maybe in your holiness. Maybe in the way you're treating your career. Maybe in the way you're treating your education. Maybe you had this high calling, you said, I want to get married, and now that you've been married, you're not living up to that calling as good as you wanted to. Maybe you always dreamt about having kids, and now you do, and you're, like, not enjoying it and not living up to what you always thought you would be like as a parent. Many of us, we carry this in us. I'm not living up to this calling. And Paul the Apostle, he then says some interesting, kind of convicting things. He mentions this calling, but then he, he says, hey, I don't want you to live like you used to. In fact, he says in verse 17, he says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, 
live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. And remember, the, the Jewish people were living in a covenant with God. The Gentiles were those, basically, who were not Jewish. They had not received the, the law of the Old Testament. They didn't have these guidelines. And so they're living far away from Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. And he says they, they're living differently. Don't live like them. They are hopelessly confused because they haven't built their lives on the word of the scripture. It says that their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. You know, I, I think one of the biggest hindrances for us living in a manner worthy of our calling to walk according to what God has put inside of us to live up to our potential, one of the biggest hindrances is that we can have hard hearts where we're not teachable like Zack Snyder was, where we're not willing to learn and grow when someone calls us out, when we read the scriptures, when we evaluate our lives, we, we hesitate. And I, I don't think we all have uh, hard hearts when it comes to other matters of our life. I think it's strictly when it comes to the things of God. Like, for example, if I, if I approached you and I said, hey, you can't say that anymore. It's not politically correct. Many of you would probably say, oh, thanks for telling me that. I didn't know. I won't say that phrase anymore. I won't do that anymore because you're, you're teachable. But what I've noticed is that when it comes to following the words and ways of Jesus, when we call someone out and say, hey, I don't think you should say that or live like that, it's not lining up with the word of God. Usually there's an objection. Who are you to judge me? Why would you tell me that? How dare you? God accepts me as I am. Why would you bring that condemnation on me? And so I feel like culturally we have a soft heart to be politically correct, but in the church even, in America, when it comes to spiritual practices, when it comes to the scripture, we're all walking on eggshells because we know we will offend people if we speak the truth or if we call someone higher. And this is difficult for us to live in a manner worthy of our calling when we're not willing to let people call us up higher, when we live with an offendable spirit. And so Paul then says, but this isn't what you're supposed to do. In verse 20, he says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. You're not supposed to live with a darkened mind and a hard heart. You're not supposed to wander away from the life of God. He says, but that isn't what you have learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Powerful, powerful. And I, I have noticed that with our hardened hearts at times, we have an insatiable lust for the pleasure of the world. And it is drying up our thirst for the things of God. We're so teachable to everything but God. So it replaces the place of God. And we have this mindset. We have this hardness. But he says, what do we do? We need to let the spirit of God renew our minds, our thoughts, and our attitudes. We are to take off the old self, the old nature, and put on the new self. And I want to share this point. It's this. You are a masterpiece worth changing. 
What do I mean by that? Well, the truth is, Jesus changes our lives. He helps us go from death to life, from our old nature to our new nature, to become new creations. How many of you have experienced transformation in Jesus Christ? I mean, I, I have been completely transform, transformed by God, and I'm so thankful that Jesus has changed me. And this is kind of a weird statement because we live in a culture that says, be you, do you. But this is not what the gospel is all about. It's about be like Christ, be new. It's not be you, it's be new. It's be transformed by the word, by the blood, by the power of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message. And we, we live in an era where it says, do not call people out and correct their ways because we don't want to be legalist. We don't want a religion of regulations. We don't want just behavior modification. And so we ignore the transformational power of the gospel. But I want to let you know that if you, are cha- if you don't think that the gospel shouldn't change you, you've changed the gospel because we don't work for salvation But salvation does a work in us. It transforms everything about us. So we're not called to do you and be you. We're called to be like God, who is holy and righteous. Righteousness literally means right living before God. Let me illustrate this. Yes, you are a masterpiece, but you are a masterpiece worth changing. I have a daughter named Nala, and I shared with you that she poops her pants every single day. And that doesn't make me love her less. And I want to change her diaper, not so that I can love her. I want to change her diaper because I already love her. I don't think she deserves to sit in her filth. I don't think she deserves a butt rash. I don't think she deserves to wander around aimlessly in her poop. I think she is so worthy, she deserves to be changed. And I believe that every, come on, let's give it up for the butt-changing power of the gospel. And I believe the same about you as you experience filth. How many of you guys have done some dirty things, have had some dirty thoughts, have done things you're not proud of, have hurt people, have shamed people, have betrayed people, have abandoned people, have lived in a way that's not worthy of your calling, but God loves you so much that he changes you. He transforms you. That's the power of the gospel. And this is what we do, not to earn God's love, but because he already loves us. You are a masterpiece worth changing. You're made on purpose, for a purpose, prepared beforehand for good works. And the Lord is going to make sure that you are refined and purified so that you can live out this extravagant, amazing, glorious life even more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he's going to make sure it happens for you. And so this isn't like a message of guilt. It's the Lord wants us to live up to our potential. And if you're not teachable, guess what? You've maxed out all of your potential in life. Look at someone and say, you have potential. You have potential. You can still grow. You can still change. Your dirty butt does not define you. Say that to your neighbor. God wants us to set us apart. You know what the biblical word for being set apart is? It's holy. Holy just means other. 
We're set apart. We're different. And that's through the power of the gospel. He transforms us. And so with this in mind, Paul says in verse 25, he gives a list of behavior modification. Something that I think we fight against in the church. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, a problem I'm sensing today is that a lot of times when we read scriptures like this, we resist it because our hearts aren't as soft as we think they are. Yeah. And instead of changing our hearts, we change the word of God. Yeah. But today, I want to challenge you that when you read the Bible, let the Bible read you. When you read the Bible, let the Bible read you. You ask the Lord when you're reading the scriptures, Lord, how can I adjust to your word here? How can I adjust to your ways here? Lord, is there any wicked way in my heart? Is there anything unclean? Is there anything you're wanting to purify in me? Is there anything I'm doing that's not living up to the high calling you have for me? And we, we see this list of sins. And we're like, can you say that? That's just behavior modification. Is that okay? Like, Jesus just accepts me. I have value. I have worth. I'm a masterpiece. So that means I can do whatever I want to do. Well, there's a difference between Jesus accepting you as you are and just accepting all behaviors. There's a difference here because the gospel transforms us. You know, this is the same Jesus, remember? He wasn't just buddy Jesus in the scriptures. He was constantly calling people higher and calling them out with love. He would say, remember when he caught that woman in sexual sin? He said, hey, I am not condemning you. I'm not going to throw the stone, but go, say it with me, and sin no more. And so we see that Jesus throughout the scriptures is full of grace and full of truth. He's not just in the middle between them. He's full of both of them all at the same time. It's supernatural, full of grace and full of truth. And my goodness, we need this today because we're so tribalistic. We try to be so religious on this side or so rebellious on this side. We try to get in our tribalism when it comes to politics. If you believe this politic, you're a Christian. If you believe these politics, you're a Christian. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wasn't like just in these tribes. He was other, holy, different, submitted only to his father and not the tribalism of his day and age. Not this Jewish and Gentile division, not this Republican, Democrat. He was loyal to his father. And I, I just totally believe that this is a message we need to hear because, I mean, truth without grace is mean. And yes and amen in our culture, but here's the other side of that. Grace without truth is meaningless. There's no mercy unless someone has done something wrong. There's no forgiveness if there's no injustice. And so we desperately need 
to build our lives on the word of God. We can't just receive forgiveness if we haven't done anything wrong. And so we are sinners who need a savior, and Jesus died so that we could have life. And so we worship him and say, Lord, I don't want you to just save me. I want you to lead me. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples, another way of saying that is we are apprentices of Jesus Christ. So how can I line up my life, my words, my ways to Jesus Christ? Because here's the reality. You don't have to follow Jesus. But if you choose to follow Jesus, do your best to live according to his words and his ways. That's your choice. Because that is the goal. That's part of the high calling to be like Christ who is holy and righteous. So what, when was the last time you changed your ways because of the word of God? Where you let the scriptures read you? When was the last time you're like, ah, no, I disagree with my political party because of the scriptures? When was the last time you said, oh, I disagree with culture because of the scriptures? If you find yourself never disagreeing with your political party, you're probably in idolatry. Let's just be real. If you find yourself never disagreeing with culture, you're probably not following the straight and narrow path of Jesus. Because Jesus is totally separate. He's different, and our loyalty is to our Heavenly Father alone. This is powerful. I mean, what, what does it mean to repent of sin? Repentance, Greek word, metanoia, literally means to change your mind in a way that changes your behavior. That's all it is. It's not crazy. What is sin? It literally means missing the mark. And so when we're missing the mark of our high calling, thank the Lord, we can invite God into our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and he changes us. He transforms us. And this can feel like a message of condemnation, but it is a message of hope. When I am a crappy father and husband, I'm not irredeemable. I can bow down before my father, and I can say, Spirit of God, renew me. Would you help me? Would you help me to love my family? Because I don't have the strength to do it. I'm not lined up with your word. There's so many crooked ways in me, Lord. Would you help me? And he does. He helps me throw off the old nature and put on the new nature. Because he has a high plan for us, and he changes us because we're worthy and we're masterpieces. You know, I, I was talking with my counselor, and I was like, I'm still dealing with this. I shouldn't be because I threw off my old nature when I became a Christian, and now I'm a, I'm a new creation. And she's like, well, you still got to work through some stuff. I was like, no, I don't. I'm, I'm new. All, my old is all left behind. She's like, no, it's not. We're literally talking about the same thing every week. I'm like, no, but the Bible. <laughs> she's like, sorry. She's like, you have to die daily. You got to be renewed daily. Yeah, you, have, you had a great experience at camp when you were in high school. You need to die today. You need the fire of God to renew you today. You know, we have this high calling. When I got married at the altar, I said, Amrita, I commit, I do. We're making this covenant. And it's because of that I am challenged today. It would be so much easier if I could just say, I said I love you at the altar. And now I don't have to do anything. Honey, did you do the dishes? I said I love you at the altar. <laughs> We're married, aren't we? No, she's like, you got to live 
up to the calling in the kitchen. So I get before the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, God, and Amritha, is there any wicked way, is there any unclean thing in me? And she's like, yes, in the kitchen. There's many unclean things there. And don't make me light a refiner's fire under your butt. Live up to the high calling. And all the spouses said, amen. <laughs> you know, it's not because I want to get married, I treat my wife right. It's because I am married. It's not because I want to earn God's approval that I want to change my life. It's because he calls me a masterpiece. He calls me a son. He calls you a daughter. And so before all of this, Paul, he brings some support systems so that we can actually do this. Because it is hard to live in a manner worthy of our calling. And so he brings in a support system called the church. In verse 11, he says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So notice that my job as a pastor isn't to do all the pastoring. It's equip you to do the pastoring. It's equip you to do the work of God. So you got to get to work. If you're not contributing to the church, you're not allowing me to equip you. This is the word of God. We need each other. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I love that. We're trying to live up to the standard of Christ. He has the standard. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind and of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And so we, we need the church to help us, to support us. We need a community that's willing to speak the truth and love to one another. Not just a call-out culture, but a call-in. Sometimes the most powerful things you can do is call someone and say, hey, you're not living up to your potential. I see greatness in you. Why are you living like that? I see kindness in you. Why are you so mean on Facebook? When I talk to you in real life, you're a kind, gentle person. But then when I see you ranting on Facebook, it seems like you're possessed by an evil spirit. Anybody resonate with what I'm talking about? Instead of just hiding their comments and blocking them, why don't we do the church thing and say, hey, can I speak the truth in love? Because you're a masterpiece worth changing, and I'm not just going to leave you out there to look like a jerk. It might be a blind spot you have. We need the church to speak truth and love to one another. We cannot just be siloed into our echo chambers because we're afraid to confront one another. And so we just find people that affirm what we already believe. And so there's more and more division. The scripture says that these gifts, the apostles, the teachers, the fivefold ministry, is so that the whole church can be mature by creating the bond of peace, that we can make every effort to be unified through our loyalty in Jesus Christ alone. But what that's going to take is some hard, awkward conversations. You know, there's the story of the emperor and his new clothes. Have you heard of it? 
surrounded by a bunch of yes men, people who are afraid to oppose and call and confront him. So someone sells him some brand new clothes, says they're fancy, invisible clothes. They're actually no clothes. It's just him being naked. And he shows off his outfit and says, what do you guys think of my clothes? And they all say, this is amazing. He's just naked. They're all making fun of him behind his back. They're unwilling to have the hard conversation because it's awkward. And so what happens to the emperor? He's naked and exposed. My guess is the people in your life are afraid to call you out because we live in such an offendable culture generation. My guess is you have some blind spots that you would hate if you realize they were happening, but your friends are afraid to call you up because they're afraid you're going to be offended. And that is going to keep us immature. That's going to keep us away from our high calling. And what happens is we, we try to justify all these things. We justify changing the word of God instead of changing our hearts. And this is the oldest trick in the book. Remember in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, Adam is with God. Adam, he uh, has an encounter with the devil, Adam and Eve. And the devil says, hey, I know God said you were created in his image. I know that you were called very good, but God doesn't want you to eat this apple because then you'll be like God. But God had already said you were like God because we were created in his image. So here, here comes the devil. Twist the scripture. Twist the word of God to get people to question their identity, right? Same thing happens again. Jesus in the New Testament, he's baptized. He begins his public ministry. Voice from heaven opens up. The Father, God the Father says to Jesus, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Then Jesus goes and fasts in the desert. And then what does the devil say to him? If you are the son of God, right? He's trying to get him to question the word of God. It's, and I, I feel like many of us are falling to that same trick. And so that, that's why Paul the Apostle says, hey, uh, you need to be part of this church. You need to be built up into the unity of the church so you won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And this is especially important because we live in a, a generation right now that has never been as biblically illiterate as we are right now in America. And so we, we get our theology, what we believe about God and the church, from memes and Instagram. Honestly, we get about 3,000 hours a year of discipleship from memes and about 120 from certified teachers of scripture. And then we wonder why we resonate with what Paul said about us wandering away from the life of God why our minds are darkened, why we have an insatiable lust for pleasure, but it doesn't feel like we have any hunger for the word of God or prayer on our own time, but we can scroll forever. It's because you get an appetite for what you eat. You've acquired a taste for sin. You've acquired a taste for lust. You've acquired a taste for rebellion and pride. You've acquired a taste for disunity. You try to find people that will come against the church with you. And what that does is it makes us like immature children. We're tossed to the left and the right by doctrine. And that's why it's so important that we gather as a church so that we can love one another, so that we can speak the truth to each other in love to live up to our high calling. That's why this story of Zach I shared, when I confronted him, he had a soft heart. And he said, my heart is dark like the screens. But that's not my identity. <laughs> 
he, he said, I'm bullying someone in a church, and my eyes are open. And he thanks me. In fact, he loves to tell people, why do you love Kalos? I knew I loved the pastors when they called me an agent of Satan. <laughs> he loves saying that to this day because he had a soft heart. I love that people come here all the time. They say, hey, will you pray for me? I'm just, I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good friend. Would you help me change? And I see the power of God working wonders in people's lives. This is such a welcoming community where we say it's okay not to be okay, but our heart is we don't want you to stay that way. We want you to experience the power and life of the gospel. We want you to be raised from death to life like Jesus allows us to. And we don't serve a God who just, he, he condemns us. Many of us have been taught, God is so holy, he can't be around sin. Then explain Jesus, who came into our world and said, I'm going to be a light in darkness. I want to be around sin because the sin doesn't corrupt me. I corrupt the sin. Amen. And when I touch lepers, they're healed. When I touch blind eyes, they see. My power is more powerful than this sin, this death. And so this isn't a message of condemnation. No, this is a message of hope that God loves you so much that he wants to help you and transform you and change you. And I am the chief of sinners today, you guys. I was on my knees during worship today because I carry sin in my heart. I'm not treating people the way I want. I've been just dealing with so many things, but I know that the Lord will take me by the hand, and he'll walk me from glory to glory. He'll take me from life to life. And I can say when it comes to my heart, because I will surrender it to the Lord, the best is yet to come. And that, Lord, I may have a dirty butt, but I am a masterpiece worth changing. And I don't change to earn God's love, but because he already loves me, I know that I ha still have potential, and I haven't maxed out the future. Amen? Amen? And so when was the last time you surrendered your whole life to the Lord? When was the last time you said, Lord, what does the scripture say, and how can I line up with it? When was the last time you were at odds with one of these tribes in America because you were so devoted to Jesus? And so I think we need to have a good old-fashioned church service and just repent before the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me? I've fallen short of the glory that you have put before me, but I know you take me from glory to glory. So can we just do what the scripture says, that we'd invite the spirit of God to renew our thoughts and our attitudes, that we would put off the old nature and put on the new nature, that we would let the Lord change us, and so, Lord, we invite you into our hearts. Would you just invite him into your heart? Can we just have a posture of saying, Lord, would you give me a, a heart of flesh? Turn my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Would you make me teachable again? Lord, would you help me to submit my ways before you? Lord, I, instead of just praying and making it about, Lord, would you bless what I'm doing? Lord, would you help me to do what you are blessing? Lord, would your will be done in my life as it is in heaven? Lord, would you help me change to be a better family person, to be better in my profession, to be better for my friends, to be better for my children? Lord, would you, would you change me? If there's any pride, Lord, I pray that you would humble me. Lord, would you help me? Lord, I'm sorry. I go to you not because I'm scared of you, because I know you have the keys 
and the words of life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for never forsaking me. Thank you that you can be in the presence of a person like me and that you have not abandoned me, but you help me. So, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my life. And I ask that you would transform me today. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. The Lord loves you so much. And like people have said before us, you know, I'm not where I should be. But thank the Lord, I'm not where I used to be. Amen. Can anybody thank the Lord for that? I'm not where I should be. But thank the Lord, I'm not where I used to be because of the power of the gospel. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.